It is said that if it's everybody's responsibility, it's someone else's responsibility. If it's someone else's responsibility, it's nobody's responsibility. Let's consider a scenario. You individually own a car. As this car is your private property, you can use it whenever you want and for whatever reason. But this ownership has a cost. It's called responsibility. You are responsible for its maintenance like fuel, lubricants, parts, safety, and so on. Hence, for full control, you take full responsibility for it. Now consider another scenario in which multiple people collectively own a car. What happens if multiple individuals want to use it at the same time for different tasks? What if one person utilizes the vehicle more than others? How are maintenance bills divided among the owners? What if one owner wants to install a new music system while another owner considers it a luxury? It is hard to avoid the not my problem factor when it comes to shared ownership. Hence, there is a big disconnect between utilization and obligations. This case keeps on getting worse and worse with more owners involved. Another problem with collective ownership is that it bounds your actions to other individuals in the group, suppressing freedom in many ways. On the other hand, individual ownership makes people take actions on their own without having to ask permission from anyone. The term collective ownership is essentially flawed. The word collective never indicates whether it means a defined group or a society and how big the society would be. The term ownership is also vague as ownership in its basic sense excludes people from a resource except for the owner. This makes the people with opposing views follow statements like, if it's collectively owned, it's not owned at all. Collective ownership runs into two problems. One, only a few people want to use a resource, but everyone in the group is bound to maintain it. And second, everyone or most of the owners wants to utilize a resource, but very few people take responsibility for its upkeep. Consider a pasture with unrestricted access for everyone to let their cows and goats graze. While each animal is a little burden on the land, but over time more of them are added, eventually degrading the land. Soon, the land becomes worthless, deprived of fresh grass, impacted by hooves, no maintenance, and so on. This is referred to as the tragedy of the commons, a term coined in an essay written in 1833 by the British economist William Forster Lloyd that describes a scenario where individuals have free collective access to a resource without any social structure or governing rules. They act in their self-interest for a while, but eventually end up depleting a resource. The degradation of the land in this example was used as a justification against collective ownership. The land held in common was the initial point that allowed the tragedy to occur in the first place. Collective ownership could make each member act as a benefactor of freeloading while neglecting the responsibility required to maintain the resource, the limitedness, and the restraints required for its sustainability. These responsibilities do not go away and everyone ends up in a situation where the resource is of no use to anyone. That's why Aristotle said, What is common to many is taken least care of, for all men have greater regard for what is their own than for what they possess in common with others. Human beings have to work to survive. His work to provide food, shelter, and other resources for himself and the people around him is a direct consequence of his efforts. These resources become his private ownership. If someone suggests forcibly taking this away from him, he feels his survival is threatened. That is why private property rights are of vital importance.
But private ownership doesn't put an end to people pooling their resources and using them however they want. Many companies run like this, but we are not talking about corporations that are collectively owned. Voluntary collective ownership has never been an issue. What people tend to oppose is mandatory collective ownership. The issue begins when suggestions to restrict private ownership are presented. In other words, advocating for collective ownership being the only way to go. This sort of setup is highly prone to drift towards authoritarianism. It further leans towards chaos that encourages stealing the already held private property under the tag of collective good. Forcing anyone to be a part of the collective is not only wrong, but inherently evil. Morality is subjective, and forcing your morality on others never solves any problem. People who preach collective ownership have a high tendency to enforce their so-called good idea as something compulsory. Telling others what they can and can't do is where things go wrong. There are also instances where a resource is limited compared to the number of people trying to use it. To avoid conflict, management would be required with decision-making powers. If the group becomes bigger, bigger management would become a necessity. This management eventually becomes slower, expensive, hard to manage, and hard to centralize. To tackle all this, the management ends up establishing itself in the form of a hierarchy, further discarding the idea of collective ownership. Hierarchical structure and rules can enforce who and when the resource could be availed. In other words, you have created a new form of private property under the terms of collective good and morality. Orwell explained the scenario in the book Animal Farm. All animals are equal, but some animals are more equal than others. Collective ownership receives criticism for its effectiveness when you try to scale it up. It could survive in a tight group like a family, but it later becomes impractical. Beyond a closed group, it just sheds more and more problems. Just because a small family or a village community could run on collectivism does not necessarily mean it would work in large groups where it becomes more and more difficult to administer. Some people believe that family is the first societal system people get to see where collectivism is the norm, although it's far from perfect even within a family. Growing up with several siblings and having one TV is a great example. Not everyone wants to watch the same channel at the same time and hence a squabble. Living on a shared basis and having roommates is another example where it's never fair. Anyways, the family heads, usually parents, sacrifice many things for their kids. This sort of upbringing is further reinforced if a person is brought up in a small community or village where everyone knows everyone else. This somehow gets engraved in a way that it becomes a go-to way of thinking. People begin to believe a similar system could be applied elsewhere. This could go on and on, and eventually, you end up with people suggesting a similar system could work for a whole country or the entire world, which is not intelligent by any stretch of the imagination. Even when collective ownership setups in large societies become unworkable, people involved in these collectives uphold their belief in utopia it essentially becomes a belief system. Another reason for people to choose collective ownership over private ownership is a result of human nature. Most people naturally support a system where they could get benefits without having to pay for it. If they see a system that could benefit them without paying much, they tend to support it. And that's how collectivism gets its support too. On the opposing end, if someone has to pay for something while getting little to no value, they are highly likely to stay away from such a setup. That's how you are naturally inclined towards one system or another. 
In simpler words, it's all good when someone else is paying for it until your own money is involved. In the end, most people would choose to go to a private school over a public one, a private toilet over a public one, a private pool over a public one, and the list goes on. Mandatory collective ownership fundamentally emphasizes shifting from each according to their ability to each according to their need. But some people would produce more output than others and would claim a greater share of resources, while others would do little to no work while claiming they are victims and their needs are not fulfilled. And there is a whole series of people in the spectrum that is somewhere in the middle of these two mindsets. This whole debate can be solved in a much better way if people begin to talk about both their rights and their responsibilities. But unfortunately, we are pushing more and more individuals towards ideologies that only talk about rights and turn a deaf ear when it comes to the responsibilities. It is also alarming to see most of these individuals are mass-produced by the universities who have their inclinations toward rights and collectivism without any concern for responsibilities. We are going to finish the video off with another of Aristotle's sayings. For that which is common to the greatest number has the least care bestowed upon it. Everyone thinks chiefly of his own, hardly at all of the common interest, and only when he is himself concerned as an individual. For besides other considerations, everybody is more inclined to neglect the duty which he expects another to fulfill. We hope you have enjoyed the video. We will try to reply to everyone in the comment section below. Please like, subscribe, and share to support the channel.